0: I don't want people like in my life that may not add value because ultimately what is the point there are 7 billion people on this planet their life is not going to be worse off without me if I'm not adding to their life in Mm. any way as well. Mm. Go forward with those friendships and make sure you follow up on the ones that you want to and treat yourself with respect and it seems like such a small thing but I don't think enough women do not even in like regards to relationships or you know how we're treated by men and everything just in terms of how we treat ourselves I think Mm. is so valuable to creating proper friendships
1: welcome to millennial moments a podcast for millennials and anyone interested in breaking down the way things are creating a new paradigm or just interested in what our generation has to say aim of each episode is to examine our fears, share our passions, rip apart cultural norms, and examine our deeply held beliefs by holding space for one another in honest, raw conversation. It's time we stop being spoken for and start speaking up. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Millennial Moments. I'm your host, Madeline McCallum. So this week, I have my ultimate New Zealand babe on the pod. It's my friend, Laura Carley. Um, This conversation really just illustrates why I love her so much. Uh, we sit down, joke around, talk about how we met, and then somehow just always end up in these really great, deep, fulfilling... Conversations, which I think just demonstrates what real true friendship really is. That's a subject that we really get into in this episode. Um, Friendship, adult friendship, why it's so hard, um, how to be vulnerable, how moving abroad kind of forces you to make different types of friends. You really get to know yourself and actually what you're looking for when you kind of removed all the friends that you have out of obligation or that you've just known your whole life it really shifts the way that you view friendship and for Laura it's not just moving across an ocean I mean she literally moved to the other side of the world it's like a 13 hour time difference between New Zealand and London so it's a big shift and there can be a false facade really of the glamour of living abroad and you know the reality is that you're lonely a lot you're sick away from your family and your friends and your mom and everything you've ever known and yeah we kind of just get into the details there that you might not see on our Instagram and um, another reason why I love 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 you sweet Laura is that she just really busts the snowflake myth I mean This is the first episode that I've had to add the explicit rating to, so snaps to you, Laura. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, she just doesn't hold back when talking about um, our generation and what we're really trying to do with um, affecting change and really shaking up the world order. So get excited about that one. And of course, we recorded this episode early April just a few weeks after the Christchurch mosque shooting. So I asked Laura if she can shed light on how that's affected her as, you know, someone who is from New Zealand and has family and community there. We talk about the way um, Jacinda Ardern, the prime minister, has, has handled just the horror of the situation. And if there's anything we can take from it, it's, um, you know, some some hope about the, what the future of our politicians could potentially hold with Jacinda as, you know, a shining example. And a side note as well, I had the worst brain fog during this conversation with Laura. Those of you who know me know that I've been dealing with some health stuff and this episode really, I think I had to pause recording a couple of times in our conversation and just look at Laura like, what are words? I was just having so much trouble connecting all the different threads in my brain and wasn't articulate as I feel that I normally am. I don't think you can tell on the episode listening back to it, but I definitely could feel it and it was really frustrating, um, but also so real. So I just wanted to, you know, point that out that I couldn't think properly, but did it anyway. And it's friends like Laura that helped me through it and helped me piece together really all all of my thoughts. And that's something that I've loved so, so much about my friendship with Laura. She just really sees you. If <laughs> I mean, if you ever want to have an empowering conversation or feel like you're seen and valued, just have a conversation with this woman. I mean she looks at you and like looks into your eyes and really sees you I mean at least me she's been such a mirror for parts of me and aspects of my personality that I wasn't even aware existed and she could just reflect those straight back to me and help me either work through them or even just shine awareness on ways that I think or act or good things in myself that I've never seen and that is just so special so i'm just so grateful for her friendship so enough gushing and let's just get right on into it okay i'm here with laura my um friend in london which oh we have a very fun story about how we meet which we'll have how we met which we'll have to get into later Um, But I was wondering if you could just start by talking about where you grew up. They'll probably tell by your accent, but yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm from Whangaparala, New Zealand. Um, That's north of Auckland. Um, Yeah, I spent 23 years there. Um, I did live in central Auckland for about two and a half years before um, coming to London. But yeah, born and raised, small town, coast girl.
1: Yeah, it's funny because we are literally from opposite sides of the world, but connected over weirdly similar ways of growing up. Yeah. Also kind of in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by nature, uh, hiking waterfalls. Yeah, you
0: had rednecks and I had bogans. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> a little bit different, but both talk funny and yeah, probably more similar than we think. So I met Laura randomly when we were both at a party and neither of us
0: had anyone to speak to. I don't have any friends. Um, <laughs> I came as a plus one. I just moved over to London and I had um, actually moved into an apartment that was quite literally across the road from um, the one friend I did have from Auckland. Um, but she was studying, so you know she knew a lot of people. She'd already been here a year and she kind of felt sorry for me, so invited me to a party. Um, and I was having a bit of a rough time when I got here and I would had a, um, fight with my partner and I'd come back into uh, the party and I was, I was crying and, um, Maddie felt sorry for me instead started <laughs> showing me photos of her dog. And, um, I got drunk and, and me- messaged her on Facebook at like 2am, um, telling her I loved her and I wanted to be her friend <laughs> and she left me on read and it hurt me a lot um kept her waiting (laughs) um and then luckily the next morning she asked me out on a hot date to the park so yeah I guess it's a
1: good lesson and like (laughs) adult friendship is hard and people are always especially when you literally move to a new country and you don't know anyone and you're like how do people make friends and I've always really had no problem with finding people on the internet and then messaging them that was a great conversation let's get coffee and people have always kind of found that not weird but just like oh yeah wow like that's a different way of doing things and so yeah i think it was just an example of we connected randomly it could have just been okay met this cool girl from new zealand cool Mm. whatever but then yeah
0: you're you're more vulnerable when you've moved overseas as well when you don't know anyone you don't have any friends and I think you're so much more open and receptive to friendship mm. because you don't have a safety net you don't have your friends from school or university or your family as well so you know when you do meet someone you connect with them you you need them like you don't just want to be friends with them
1: yeah exactly and i definitely found that i had almost like a different radar for the types of friends that then i actually did want to follow definitely. off with because you just never really before I I guess had that you kind of just had your friends that were your friends by default
0: yeah and often you've lost contact or touch with them in the sense that you know you do meet with them and you just don't click like you used to but Mm. you're friends with them out of convenience and the fact that they know you they know your story um but when you come overseas that's the great thing although you don't know people you could meet someone and just be like they're not actually someone I really deem not saying worthy of my friendship but deem worthy of my time because it's actually what's the point if that makes sense and it sounds selfish but you move overseas to actually be selfish for a change so
1: yeah which is a really brave thing and maybe let's get into that kind of one i think different people have different motivations for wanting to move overseas but it's always like kind of a a similar type of person i guess it is looking for definitely yeah that to get out of your comfort zone to do something different it can be really scary and it is so hard so it takes I think a special person to do it and then I guess succeed at
0: building a life and you Mm. know really building yourself up from the bottom so 100% and I think you know with my um job in recruitment I see people moving overseas all the time and people who come over with um that attitude that the world owes them something or they did really really well back at home and you know Australia or New Zealand or wherever it was that they came from and so you know they're bound to do well in London they're normally the people who fail immensely um versus people who come and actually kind of be like you know what I don't come from a lot or I did come from a lot but I'm willing to work from the ground up and actually kind of earn my keep in London so I think you know, that's, that's the hard part about moving over and you, you have to, you have to be at the bottom to come yeah, out on top. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind
1: of the most humbling thing, really. You oh, just yeah. realise, yeah. oh, right, okay, so it's just me, just building this, just, I mean, even figuring out what you like, what you want to do, okay, mm-hmm. I should get some hobbies. I don't know, it just... And a little...
0: hobbies change, like hobbies you had back at home, like you can't go... I, I grew up five minutes from the beach. You can't swim here. Like, the Thames, you will you will come out <laughs> with, like, leprosy. You will, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> probably... Would not, would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, like, hiking as well. Like, walking through Hyde Park is very different from going for, you know, out to the bush. And, yeah, it's just... You just have to find yourself entirely because everything that was your backbone is no more.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I guess we're both um, the same age, about the same age. Mm-hmm. And I think... I've met a lot of people who've moved over kind of at the end of their 20s or I guess after they've already gone through the period of, quote, finding themselves in their early 20s. So I think it's really interesting and it's definitely a special type of person and I think why we've probably connected in the way that we have Mm. to really move overseas and for you literally to the other side of the world when you're kind of already in those prime years of confusion and figuring out adulting and doing all this you know life stuff for the first time anyway
0: even if you literally are still in your hometown but I think that can be the kind of um, suffocating aspect of it if you are in your hometown it I think cripples your it sounds so lame but your self-expression and finding yourself like you know as much as Auckland is the biggest city in New Zealand of, like, whopping 1.3 million, <laughs> um, it, people will judge you for the stupidest things. If you're not wearing what everyone else your age is wearing, if you're not using... Like, everyone wears the same perfume. Everyone has the same jewellery brand. Like, no one varies from the norm. And if you do, then people will make comments about it or talk about it. It's, it's so stupid. Like, people don't up until recent um have anything to worry about in New Zealand so Mm. the biggest thing to worry about is to talk about other people not to say that you know Kiwi's lovely people but they kind of cripple people who want to come out outside of what is normal so I think that yeah I think it's almost necessary to move away from it to actually develop into who you, you should be like that sounds very strange but you know even down to I look at what I wore back in New Zealand versus now and it's completely different because no one in London vets an island. Like, people walk around with the most insane outfits on. No one cares. Yeah. This is, like... If, honestly, if you, like, had, like, slightly different coloured hair that wasn't done at a particular salon in Auckland, people would think badly of it. So, I don't know. Even, like, small superficial things. Um,
1: yeah, that maybe you did weren't even aware of or didn't recognize it's so true like the baptism by fire thing I guess that you kind of have literally just stripped away everything that you've known or maybe even didn't know that you didn't know Mm. just conforming to
0: things and mm, that cripples your self-exploration I think mm. uh, with that
1: yeah and yeah being exposed to I mean for me definitely it was being exposed to just people from all different countries and backgrounds Mm. and just everything that maybe you wouldn't just naturally oh yeah come across even if you still lived in a in a big city somewhere else i don't know there is something special about london i think yeah
0: and and even if you do live in a big city somewhere else and you're from a big city somewhere else you're still only gonna mix with the people that are similar to you right you're you're not going to you know in london you see people who are refugees you see people from countries that did not even existed Mm. um and you're sitting on like i love sitting on a on the tube and actually looking in the tube and she being like this is a small kind of extract of the population of london and everyone in that tube is so 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 different like yeah, there's more differences so than there are similarities and i think that's my favorite thing about london yeah
1: it's a really special thing about living here i think and yeah just also i love to sit on the tube and think about you just have no idea yeah. what anyone's Story is where Nothing. are they going? Where did they come from? Unless they came from Green Park and they get off at the same station. As you. <laughs> okay, well, then, <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe you know that, but that would be the only thing that you know about them. Quite literally. Yeah. So, um, what did you find? I guess being some of the really difficult moments at the beginning. I mean, I think at least from my my side of things, a lot of people can kind of see that you've moved abroad and you live in Europe and you live in London, which is fantastic. And it's amazing. And it looks really fun and looks, quote, I guess, easier than it definitely was. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to speak to your rock bottom moments <laughs> at, at the beginning and um, how you got through them.
0: Yeah, I think mine were more personal. So obviously, you know, it'll be different for everybody. But um, I came over and I got a job with an Two days of coming over, which I'm so 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 privileged um, to have, because I see people struggling to find work. But um, it meant that I couldn't recover from some pretty terrible jet lag. Like you, you literally could not get a bigger time difference than New Zealand to London. Yeah, how long? Um, it, it was thirteen hours at the time that I moved over. Oh my god. Um, so that was that was pretty gross. Um, and so I went straight into working, and yeah, it was I was really exhausted, and I got really sick. Like I got the flu. Um, not having anyone to look after me, like not even like, you know, your mum or your partner or anything like that. But it was like, I, I literally had no one to look after me, like not even a mate to message and be like, Hey, could you maybe bring me some like water? Because I'm pretty sure that the water in these taps is like been through seven people before it's been (laughs) through me. So, um, yeah, just stuff like that. And obviously being very lonely. Like I had a huge group of friends back at home, like, you know, 23 years, I knew people since they were kids as well so um yeah it was there and also I was doing like long distance with my partner I was living in a hellhole um you really have to lose all self-respect if you um (laughs) get a combination in London because it's horrific um I was like sharing a room with um a girl I knew from home which sounds a lot worse than actually was that's probably one of my more positive um parts of moving to London just having a familiar face but sharing a room with a guy um, sorry with um, my friend also called Maddie coincidentally um, and she, we also lived with a guy who smoked all the time on the side oh, and the house stunk like smoke and then like a, maybe like two weeks into it when the people upstairs started showering it would like leak through the roof um, and then the front door didn't lock um, no biggie and then the um, other flatmates started having these massive fights like 3am like screaming at someone in Turkish and like we just had no idea what was going on uh, he then took off with our bond which I never got back um, and then I basically we found out we were getting evicted he hadn't told us he was basically taking our rent money we were paying each month and taking it for himself and not paying the rent um, and so we found out that we basically, <laughs> we basically had like two weeks to find somewhere to live, um, which is not a lot of time. Um, and so I found a room on um, social media and it was like, like you know, affordable for London. It was all I could afford, but it was in North London, um, which isn't the safest area. Um, especially, you know, coming from what was one of the safest countries I think you could possibly be from. And just, like, every night, if it was light, uh, sorry, dark, I was getting so worried about walking home from the station. I got really unsafe. It was affecting my social life. I didn't want to, like, go Mm -hmm. out after work. I didn't want to go out on the weekends because I was worried about getting from the station to my house. And it started to, you know, give me really, really bad anxiety. started affecting my social life. So, yeah, there were – it sounds like I just had this awful time. I didn't, you know, there were so many positive times in between that and a lot of self-growth in between that. But, um, yeah, now, obviously – live in an area that i can walk home at night and not worry about my safety important
1: i'd also like to point out that laura moved over with a big backpack or one like it was one yeah yeah literally a backpack i lead a backpack but yeah (laughs) yeah well what to me is a backpack which i think is um very impressive (laughs) thank you um so how i think it's been just about one year over a year now over a year yeah right still not a long time, but so much can happen and has happened Definitely. in that span of time. Yeah. How would you see or say that you've grown the most in that time? There well, might be a few ways, but. My waistline. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> much beer.
0: Um, I. Resilience, hugely. You just really realize what you're made of and how much you can get thrown at you. Um, I think in terms of your self worth as well. Just realize you don't have to deal with bullshit. It's just I don't know. Back at home, you you deal with it because you knew you know you'd see that person in public or their friends or that friend or A B and C versus hair. It's like if someone actually does wrong by you or you just don't click or you think something's off, you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and also just yeah, it's it's okay to. Focus on yourself, and it does not make you a bad person at all. Like, the reason why we come over here, the reason why you move overseas is normally for yourself, but then when you come over here, you know, you start to fall back into your own habits of, you know, always being that person that people go to for support or always giving so much to other people and your friends and your work and A, B, and C. And actually, you don't have to do that. Like, the whole point of coming overseas is to move away from old habits and trying to move. And stay away from those habits. I I don't know. I don't know how to articulate that. But
1: no, yeah, that makes sense. And I think I've always described it as it's like an incubator for self gro- for rapid self growth. Like yeah. you kind of get thrown all of these life situations all at once in this very short like um, span of time, where you then are forced to learn those lessons and you either learn them or you don't. Or you go you, home. Yeah, or you go home or you yeah, just revert to your old ways, your old patterns and it can get really frustrating and then or yeah, you choose to maybe take the harder road, but there's so much growth and magic in that if you're seeking it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think that's you know, you have to be super open-minded and kind of what we mentioned before be okay with hitting the bottom because you're going to get thrown curve balls from every direction. Yeah. And you just have to be aware that sometimes they're going to hurt and sometimes they're going to get you straight in the gut, but yeah. you're going to grow from it.
1: And you, I think that's such an important point because you're, I mean, anyone I speak to who's moved abroad, I'm like, okay, so what was your crying on the bathroom floor moment? Because everyone, everyone has one, but then you have to be willing to, to feel it and sit in it. Yeah, which is the most painful part.
0: But then, I mean, yeah, mine wasn't like, crying on the bathroom floor. Mine was tripping over the escalator at like peak hour in the station. But like... uh, I'm so <laughs> you didn't mind the gap. But,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to um, life in a city after having you know grown up and quite. The opposite and I think we've talked before about how sometimes you just have those days where you're like s- suffocating and mm-hmm. just want to get out of here and you just need to get out especially I mean living in any new city can be scary you're learning how to navigate it as a young 20 year old woman kind of what's been your experience with figuring out this city and cities in general and making it a home for yourself
0: I think finding like your hub so obviously, you know, so many people, obviously when you go outside of London, you speak to people who are actually f- from England and uh, no one has anything positive to say about London who aren't from London. Um, and I think it's because, you know, they go to, like Ben, London Eye, they go and see all of like the, oh, like Jamie Oliver's Italian kitchen and that's about <laughs> as exotic as it gets in central London. Um, and I hate central London. I will avoid it like the plague.
1: Yeah, I can't tell you the last time I was there.
0: Yeah, no, neither. And it's so... Having your hub and finding a suburb that is your suburb, I think, mm. is the most important thing. Like, you know, you've got the south of the river, north of the rivers, and it's it's a thing. Like, there's like a, a divide, not in a bad way, but you know, for your example, community. Yeah, yeah, it's your community. Like, I I like being near the heath. Like, I think living around greenery is so important. I love living somewhere that is a little bit slower pace, doesn't have the Nightlife and the pubs and everything like that because that's not me. Like I I am slower paced. so like I prefer to go for a walk on a Saturday morning than go party on the Friday night. So I think it's so important for me, you know, to not live somewhere that has that, you know, Shortage. For example, when I first moved, I hated it. So many other people would love to live in Shortage, but I don't want to be hearing a club at three a.m. like underneath my window. I want to wake up and hear the birds chirping. So I think that is. My most important tip for, I don't know, moving to a new city. Yeah,
1: just get really clear on what you like, what you don't like, what you need, what makes you feel comfortable and at ease. Because so many things are going to stress you out and make you not feel at ease. So at least kind of where you're living and spending your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot a little bit, I guess. And I wanted to talk about friendship. I think personally one of my greatest lessons really having moved abroad has been really all about friendships making them losing them really realizing what a friendship actually is um so I guess I'll just leave it pretty open-ended and say so far kind of what's your one of your greatest lessons that you've learned on
0: friendships um I think it's that you don't have to put in more effort than other people give you mm. so like moving overseas I always felt so guilty if I didn't call my friends back in New Zealand or you know they'll be like oh how about we arrange a time on Saturday to talk but I'll be like well you because know, your Saturday morning is my Saturday night I'm going to be busy and I felt really guilty like I felt like I, I always had to be the one to take time out of my day for them because I was the one who chosen to move away um and actually realizing that just because I did something selfish for myself it doesn't mean I have to then put more effort back into my friendship like I it, that's not how friendship works yeah um And I was having a conversation with my best friend and I was apologizing. I was like, I'm so sorry. I feel like i have been really slack. We haven't spoken very much. And she was like, it's, it's fine. Like it's life. You you get busy. I was like, I know, but you know, I decided to move away. And she's like, no, you didn't decide to move away. Like you had to move away for yourself. That's fine. I'm just as busy as you are. Like, you know, we should both feel guilty. Like it's both of us that have been slack, but like, it's just, it just happens. Like you mm-hmm. don't have to put more effort in because you're not here. Um, so yeah, just just knowing that you don't have to sacrifice yourself for other people, and also it's okay to not actually be in contact with some people anymore. Like when you first go, you're like, oh, you know, we'll talk every day. You won't. You will not. You'll probably talk to your closest friends twice a month if you're lucky. Yeah. Occasional texts or like Facebook messages or WhatsApp um but yeah and and that's fine and you'll cope without them that's the biggest thing you'll be fine yeah and it's I guess the
1: important friendships that are going to be the ones that maybe you speak even once a month and it's like you Mm -hmm. pick up where you left off and then conversely the friendships even you know ones that are abroad or ones that are here that you feel like it's one-sided or you're putting in all the effort and it feels like a lot of work Mm. I think in figuring out that it's okay to let those go yeah too has been an important I guess lesson for me that you don't need to it's really like a lack mentality of like you need to be grasping for straws or holding onto everything so tightly Mm. for lack of your I mean but then you're kind of sacrificing yourself yeah and then that that
0: kind of comes back to what I was saying before about um, realizing that you don't actually owe anyone anything and if you meet someone and it doesn't click then that's fine like you don't have to be friends with them you don't have to put in the time of day for them because it ultimately you don't actually owe anyone any of your time yeah they're not kind of worth it that not saying anyone's not worth it but if you're not gaining anything from that friendship then you you don't have to sacrifice your someone.
1: Yeah, so. which sounds when you say it out loud it sounds like an obvious thing. But I think so many people and I'm gonna yeah. say especially women, yeah. I think that's true. And
0: you're feel like we have some well. built
1: in need where we just owe everyone something or yeah. need to be validated by everyone for something, which I'm just unraveling in myself and I don't know where it came from or why it's there, but it's so strongly held mm-hmm. of like yeah, okay, well, I owe it to them. I should, you know, do X, Y, and Z. I could do X, Y, and Z, so therefore I should. And it's just kind of this mind blowing thing that once you finally realize that actually, really, I'm only in charge of myself and my own life, and I'm actually doing a disservice to that person by
0: yeah keeping and I think up. People yeah. can tell when you're not engaged in a friendship. Like, I don't know, have you ever, you know, caught up with a friend and you might not have seen them for a while, and then you're just talking. And in your head, you're like, this is probably going to be the last time we see each other. And you walk away and you both say, like, you know, oh, we'll catch up for coffee. And neither of you will ever message the other one again. That's what I'm talking about. Like, they probably felt the exact same way about me or, you know, you at the same time. And that's fine. Like, you know, we're at age, you know, I'm almost 25 now that, like, I don't want people, like, in my life that may not add Value because ultimately, what is the point? There are seven billion people on this planet, their life is not going to be worse off without me if I'm not adding to their life in Mm. any way as well. Mm.
1: And it's so draining, I think, when you're I don't know if you, when you one day wake up and kind of realize that you've surrounded yourself by a bunch of acquaintances, that you just go through this series of meeting up and then saying you're going to meet for coffee and then maybe you eventually do in a few months and then once you do you're like oh we shouldn't leave it so long let's meet up and then maybe you do and it's just kind of this cycle of Mm -hmm. and then when you leave you feel more drained than you did before and I think that's the sign of a really good friendship is when you leave feeling buzzed and energetic and uplifted and like they've just kind of added something to your life yeah rather than feeling zapped
0: and I think you know if you have that connection straight away mm. and like I think you know we had that like I, even though you know I was a few GNTs deep <laughs> by that point you, <laughs> you know straight away you ever if, if meet someone and just be like a huge friend crush on them yeah. and you just you want to be their friend that is how friendship should start obviously not all don't some you know I know my best friend I actually thought she was super boring when I first met her I thought she was like this weird hippie chick that was just like all over the place but our connection grew and obviously you know I, I couldn't be without her now but most friendships should start with you know like a romantic interest that should start with a spark obviously you don't want to wanna like, tear their clothes off but you should <laughs> want to have that coffee with them
1: yeah and in the same way then like act on it absolutely I think yeah I don't know I guess I feel lucky and maybe just by virtue of just lived in so many different places really in the last few years and in my Mm -hmm. early 20s that in order to have friends I've literally just had to realize okay I like this person cool I'm gonna tell them I'm gonna message them on Instagram I'm gonna message them on Facebook let's do this let's be friends let's get coffee and so many people I've been surprised so many people have been taken aback by it no one's been Bad or said uh, no that's weird no. but everyone's been like oh we're humans we're wow that's so crazy you just reached out for coffee when you said you were going to reach out for coffee and I've always been like yeah like what else do people do and I mean you can get really disappointed when people don't follow up on their word but yeah I think you just have to notice when you see that in other people and just act on it like life is too short to have unfulfilling friendships (laughs) 100% I
0: think yeah you know what you said being woman especially and you know in your mid-20s I think we go through so many toxic toxic friendships that you don't realize especially as teenagers I think a lot of them carry on until like their early 20s and I think it's so important to kind of go through a bit of a cleanse and realize your self-worth and although you know I I'm sure a lot of what I've said in this, I'm gonna listen back to it. And be like, oh my gosh, I sound so selfish and so self-absorbed. But it's it's just from years of having very unfulfilling friendships and being taken advantage of and being walked all over and doing so much for other people, and it's just not worth it. Like, it's honestly not. And just you know, go forward with those friendships and make sure you follow up on the ones that you want to and treat yourself with respect. And it seems like such a small thing, but I don't think enough. Women do, not even in like regards to relationships or you know how we're treated by men and everything. Just in terms of how we treat ourselves, I think, Mm. is so valuable to creating proper friendships.
1: Yeah, I want to continue on that subject of being selfish. I think also in our generation, that's a thing that we're often. Look down upon for. (laughs) Don't even get me
0: started. (laughs) No I'm I'm
1: on purpose getting you started. No like this nature of oh just I don't know these millennials are all selfish they're only Mm. looking after themselves and it's this I don't know I wish there was a different word or we could redefine selfish because I think it's so much more nuanced as we've already been speaking about than just oh we're all egotistical people only really care about ourselves I think it's kind of the opposite but we've
0: realized that I think it's self-aware yes I think no other generation has been so in tune with um like health and connections and environment and careers and education and all of that kind of combines and I think we're all so grossly aware of it to the point it's almost crippling yeah and I then mean, that's, it, is crippling. it stems into the whole oh but your are all snowflakes so sensitive. like every other generation had it worse than you and okay just because we weren't dumb enough to send our men off to war <laughs> i'm sorry then <laughs> baby, baby, as i'm looking at you we shouldn't be persecuted because previous generations have made stupid stupid decisions or just not had the resources that we had, like why are we being persecuted because we have the resources for education mm-hmm. and healthcare and you know, that that's those of us who are privileged and actually have that. But the fact that our generation stand up for people, you know, who are non-binary or can't define their gender or their sexuality and a woman have a voice as well, I think. And um, yeah, I think, we're called selfish all the time because I think we know that we deserve better mm. and previous generations have tried and failed tried and failed tried and failed to you know change things and obviously they're at like pinnacle points in terms of like you know the first wave and third wave feminism and obviously huge um, political changes and and war and they've been Issues and, and things people have overcome, but I think it's all led to now. But we're being persecuted for all of that, essentially, like everything that's led to this generation. We're somehow responsible for.
1: Yeah, and I feel like I always felt like it's our generation has finally been trying to crack the code or like do things differently. And sometimes yeah. I feel like it's almost uh, I don't I don't know bitterness or like we had it really hard so you guys should too and it's almost like well I think we're aware that it just can't keep going and getting harder or else like literally the world's gonna crack so we've taken it upon our
0: shoulders to try and fix things do something and that's what I don't understand every other generation like you know what I said previously I think now I'm like listening to what I'm thinking I'm like oh that should do that (laughs) you know not engineering every other generation was constantly making stupid mistakes but I think other generations are putting band-aids on problems yeah our exactly. generation is trying to find the root cause of the problem and change it and I think people don't like that because people don't like to talk about things that are difficult to talk about or they don't like to talk about things that are hard to fix or quite frankly don't like change they don't mm. and I think you know the the Pivotal issues that our generation is speaking up about like, you know, the amount of things I see about um, Like, you know sexuality and gender I think that's an issue which is very important to me with so many people that I know are affected by it and You know we're told that oh there's male and female and that's no and, and there has never just been male and female either It's just that people are now comfortable enough to talk about it hopefully I you know I'm not transgender I, I don't know how people feel but I, I hope that the community out there knows that they you know there safe. are people that support them yeah. and, and not everyone is, is out to get them at all but um yeah these these issues have always existed I think we've, we're creating a platform where people who have suffered for thousands of years can actually just be open about it I think that's the difference
1: hmm and what do you see I guess I don't know in in the future for, um, like, gender roles, kind of especially women empowerment. I think that's a, I mean a huge theme, obviously, in politics lately, mm. but really in every area of life. It's just this um, debate of yeah, where have we been disempowered? Where can we take our power back? What does this mean for society? I mean, I know you probably have a lot of things <laughs> to you want to you talk about, to it, but though? I
0: mean, um, I don't know. I I think. You know, to to sum it all up in terms of everything I've said, I think that this is a time that women actually have to be selfish, and it makes people uncomfortable. Women are not; it's it's always a terrible, bad thing if a woman is selfish, and because men, that's that's they've all, never had to apologize for that ever.
1: Mm, that, so that's a point. They've yeah. literally built
0: their power on oppressing others and making it about them. Looking at you, I'm mean. men but it we are treating ourselves the way that we should have been treated the entire time and it makes people uncomfortable and it makes people squirm and they say but that's not your role or you know you shouldn't be doing that or that's not polite or that's not very feminine or girly or you know girls are meant to be soft and sweet and like I'm sorry, but I'm not. And you shouldn't have to be if you don't want to, but if you are, that's fine. And, and that's your choice, but that, that's what it should be. It should be a choice. I think that it's just as hard and it's so difficult. And you're so ingrained into it. You just have to, you just have to find a way to know your self worth. And it, that often comes from, you know, going through a lot of bullshit and a lot of suffering to kind of rise up from the ashes and be like, I've gone through hell and back. And now, I know what I'm capable of and what I deserve. But I think that's what, that's how women grow because I've never actually spoken to a female who hasn't had, you know, harassment, be it like violent or abuse or emotional or sexual or anything like that. We've all have our stories in terms of how we've got to know our self and our self worth. And I think utilizing that kind of, not pain, but that, that suffering and actually yeah, being struggle. like, we deserve better. I'm going to treat myself better. You need to listen and act by you again talking about talking about you, man. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah. If, if you if you're not going to treat us how we deserve, then I'm going to treat me how I deserve.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important point to make because it's not like it's kind of just about evening playing field and realizing that it's less about hitting women against men or whatever it's just about realizing that we're all fundamentally human and mm. that people have been on different level of pedestals 100%. in the past and there's so much deconditioning to yes. be done i mean at different levels if you're a woman versus a woman of color or you know all the different um nuances in privilege one who
0: defines himself as a female exactly or a woman.
1: yeah Yeah, it's about realizing that, okay, maybe we need to be, quote, selfish, self-aware, figure out our self-worth, and really, that's what's going to get, you know, everyone back on track, not just women, it's really serving everyone, society as a whole, if
0: everyone's operating from their fundamental self. It's like, you know, what I mentioned before, like, like, if you're transgender, I think that you know, it's important for you to make those decisions on your health and what you want to happen with your body and what medication you want to go on. Like, no one who is comfortable in their body gets to tell you what you deserve or what you should have. It's up to you because only you know. And I think that's the same in terms of, like, women. Like, it's up to us to how we should be treated and no one should tell us otherwise. Mm -hmm. I think... Yeah, and it seems you know I'm, I only know what I've seen on the media and everything, but like you know people of color in America, like it, it's up to black people to turn around to white people and say like this is what we deserve. Yeah, we deserve better. This is how we deserve to be treated. you know this is how we should be. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, represented like you know within media or film or anything like that, like no one else gets to tell you how you should be represented and yeah I think
1: yeah and then it's up to us or you know the other side to listen which I think is so important whether it's men listening to women or um, me as a white woman listening to a woman of color Mm. it's just that like I think it all gets back to that everyone's just afraid of change or giving Mm. up their privilege or that pedestal they've been on but it's like imperative now I feel like for everyone you know to if that's not your place then maybe just close your mouth and listen yes and take it in and be receptive to it and maybe you don't know you know someone else's shoes where they've been and what they want and especially i don't know i'm even thinking about like with legislation and policies it's just sometimes people need to actually take a step back and maybe you know invite someone else into the room and really actually listen to the fundamental mm-hmm. need that's there rather than assuming they know what's best or disregarding what's best
0: But I think that almost links around to, you know, what you were saying before about um, being a millennial and obviously the whole point of this podcast is we have platforms such as, you know, Facebook and Instagram that have been used by, I think, a select group of people who have used it to kind of, you know, promote like skinny tea and like detox and all this bullshit. And that is how we've been portrayed. And we haven't been able to actually represent ourselves for how we are, and I think that you know it's so important to have conversations like this and like this podcast to actually have the ability to stand up and be like, how you think we are is not what we are. We are intelligent. We are insightful. We as resilient as how we know what we're talking about. Like yes, we respect you of you know those who have gone before and fighting our battles, and you know you've created the world that we're in now. But also, you've destroyed a lot of it, and we're the ones that are (laughs) reaping the, like, inherited a mess. We have, we've inherited a mess. And although, you know, you say we're ungrateful for everything we've been given, like, we also have to fix a lot of things. And we deserve a platform to represent ourselves for who we actually are, not who you think we are, because, you know, Kylie Jenner sells a lip kit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, yeah, there's downsides, I guess, to a lot of. Technology and, Mm. you know, things that have been built or created in the past few years. But, I mean, I definitely see a lot of capacity for our generation to seek out, I guess, the the positive in those tools and really use them and then hopefully have people of other generations recognize that that's what we're doing and what we want to do and Mm. it's legitimate and should be and can be taken seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I guess we're recording at a time where unfortunately New Zealand has been in the news more than usual um and I was just wondering if you as a Kiwi could speak to speak to the recent events in Christchurch
0: yeah well I think it's important to um I guess cover off the fact that I am a immigrant Kiwi so, like, you know, my family, although I'm a third generation, I still came from an immigrant at some stage. Um, I'm also white, so I will never know what it's like to be, you know, persecuted for the color of my skin. Or, you know, I'm also an atheist, so I've never had any issues with, you know, being persecuted because of my religion. So, speaking from someone who just is a Kiwi, um, I am devastated, obviously, like, it. It's not something I ever imagined. I'm not saying that I'm not surprised because it's a racist country. As much as you're trying and hear people justify and say it's not and this isn't who we are and all this, it, unfortunately. Racism is everywhere, unfortunately. It really is. And I think especially in small um, countries where, I don't know, there's this whole superiority complex that you're only a Kiwi if you're a white Kiwi, if you're a Maori. Like anyone who, um, it comes from maybe like you know their parents might be first generation Indian or um you know we've got like quite a big Chinese population as well like I don't know there just has never been this acceptance there's always been these little comments under breath and there's definitely segregation there as much as people don't like to believe it um so I think you know people were saying oh but this is actions of one maniac that maniac has heard little comments here and there his entire life and he's had that thought process and these little comments have basically just confirmed his whole reasoning behind this absolute massacre. So yeah, I'm I'm absolutely devastated and I'm horrified for the family.
1: Yeah, I mean one, I'm just going to say, it's so interesting, I guess, to hear that. I mean, I know we're from different countries, but it's such, I mean, I imagine it's in every country, just there is like a subsection of, but we're the real people, you know, from this country. Yeah, I mean, you like the real Americans or no, but we're the real Brits real or we're the this. real whatever and, you know, this is our country and it's like, well, what does that mean? I mean, it's also, this is a minor segue, but I mean, we're living in England which wants to leave Europe and you know this is the just
0: it just confuses me I mean and I we I think we are so privileged because the fact that you know English is the only language that I talk talk speak um apparently not Um, and you know I'm white as well so everywhere I go in the western world I'm going to be accepted yeah I think I'm even more privileged on top of that in the terms of people like people from New Zealand. Like, mm. I, I've never had anyone turn around and be like, oh, you're from New Zealand, which I'm sure, unfortunately, <laughs> for you as an American. Yeah, yeah. not everyone not loves so us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, why, why am I accepted in someone who, um, is Muslim, isn't it? It's bullshit, to be quite frank. Like, it, we're all, if you, if you feel like you're a New Zealander, if New Zealand is your home, you're a Kiwi. That, mm. That's how I see it. That's how I've always seen it. Um, But, you know, I've been guilty of those comments when I was younger and, like, I didn't understand how those stupid, completely ignorant comments could contribute to something like this. Yeah, I I definitely, you know, definitely said those things.
1: Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I think when politicians in the media whoever, kind of paint that story of, you know, an isolated incident, they're really just missing the point of it's a huge cultural shift that's yeah. needed and I mean I'm not the one that knows how you begin doing that but I think it is yeah something that is just gaining so much momentum and fire and honestly oh, something definitely has to give in the way that we approach um these type of horrible situations but
0: yeah and I I'm, I guess that's why I'm so proud of Jacinda as well like, I think she's handled it with so much dignity so much grace and mm. i she makes me proud to be a New Zealander and although you know there are some things that have really frustrated me with the response in terms of there's been a few people who have come out and said I can't believe this happened in New Zealand this isn't who we are and that is taking away from the suffering of the Muslim community because you're making it about you aren't you like you know yeah. you're saying like ooh I'm I'm upset by this yes we can be upset but ultimately we have to be upset for the Muslim community we can't be upset because it happened in our country um, it's, it's hard to explain unless I don't know, you're, you're from New Zealand and you see the comments on Facebook and from your friends and all these people and they're almost removing themselves from the comments which I've heard them make, you know? Like, yeah. when I walk you down the street, they'll they'll say something about someone or, you know, when you're driving, there's this whole culture of people making comments about other cultures driving and that's so common back in Auckland. And, you know, and then they post saying, oh, New Zealand, you know, we're so full of love. And, and no, like you're full of love with people who you deem as a kiwi not oh
1: yeah yeah i mean i mean that and i think again like it's so cool to have conversations like this with people from in other countries because you say maybe you have to be from new zealand but i mean i see the same thing in america of yeah i mean exactly that it doesn't really matter where you're from everyone has the sense of um yeah i'm super supportive of people but only yeah. if they look like me and think like me and yeah you know, have the same agenda as me and i guess back to the point about um the social media comments i'm really interested in this notion of like slacktivism which is kind of again the people who stand up for quote a lot of issues and have a platform but like when you're privilege and you don't you're probably never really going to see the negative effects of you know any of the issues that you're talking about one don't really do anything about it they may change their facebook profile picture to saying they support Mm. x cause or same thing they you know comment something on social media that actually isn't how they live out their day-to-day lives and i feel like a thing that our generation Probably, I mean, it probably causes a lot of anxiety because we feel this pressure to, no, you've got to act on it. And, I mean, it's needed pressure. But, yeah, this just concept of we just can't do that anymore, I think. Yeah. Especially when you're in a position of, you know, privilege. It's so easy to People need slap to a pens, sticker on it or a so. sticker on it or just say, oh, yeah, I support that. But then, like, support it with your actions and yes. your words.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I've I've never really been one to, um, I've always been quite fiery, I guess, with my opinions. And I think, you know, when I was younger, it was viewed as like a, a negative thing. And, you know, now I'm older and you have know, myself with different people. You know, I was saying before about in New Zealand, people don't really like people who are different. But, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've always been very political when it comes to, you know, feminism and, you know, um, when gay marriage was getting voted in, even, I think I must have been about like 15 at the time. And I... Lost some friends, and like I'm glad I did because you know, nowadays, if I was hanging around anyone who was against you know, gay lesbian marriage, I would not have a bar of it. But, um, yeah, I think it's so important to have these political opinions and call people out for things, don't just change your profile on Facebook. Like, I think even little things like that, I think they are important, you know, they show other people that you know, at least you do care. But, yeah, you, you need to speak up, you need to. Yeah, call call people out for their racism. Like call people out for their comments. Yeah, call like you know call people out for misogynistic comments as well. Like you know, if people can call us PC or like politically correct snowflakes, all you want, but like the reason why we're politically correct snowflakes is because I don't want fifty people gunned down in my country. Sorry, but I don't.
1: Yeah, I mean it really comes down to that wanting to be a generation of change. I think, absolutely and you can't just hide behind i guess the way things always have been or your social media banner i mean even with smaller things like vote with your money vote with where you buy your coffee every morning mm-hmm. like i think it's come down to realizing that even those small things are really important you know where you spend your money how you spend your time who you talk to who you don't talk to mm-hmm. how you engage in conversation um It all, yeah, comes down to those little things as well, I think. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to get into the rapid fire round that I'm asking everyone before we finish. Um, So what are three non-negotiable things in your life right now? So it could be like your routine, TV show, a book, just three things that right now are like, I have to do this.
0: Oh, um, peppermint tea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, essential. Um... Oh, this is actually so much harder. These aren't rapid fire, this slow burns. Um Sorry. Queer eye? Oh, I do yeah, no, you know, honestly I do need 10 francs in my life. So yeah, I would definitely say queer eye is number two. Um number three for me is a good cat eye eyeliner.
1: Oh, what you do so well. <laughs> yeah, you. it's good. Great. Um, where in your life are you working on being more flexible?
0: Um, definitely not my um, physical flexibility because I haven't been to the Germany year. Um, I would say my openness to taking on criticism and actually learning new things you know especially in the workplace as well instead of seeing criticism as something that's putting me down it, instead seeing it as something that people are trying to help and I can develop from mm. good answer uh,
1: what item on the world or local agenda are you most passionate about right now? Uh,
0: just general feminism, I think. And yeah, veganism as well. So
1: yeah. Um. What excites you about the future? We've talked a lot about the anxieties and the pressures that we have, but what um, excites
0: you? I think seeing Jacinda, I think there's so much possibility for political change and seeing how the world has received her actions with so much positivity Um, hopefully you know other political leaders follow in her footsteps or um, next gen, um, sorry next election people will maybe see that actually having you know a young female who is passionate and personable and caring and loving is the future you know it doesn't have to be female but someone who is more human than Mm. uh, you know money making corporate machine let's bring
1: humanity back to politics absolutely <laughs> it's a big order but yeah it's exciting i think as much as we're in a scary anxiety-provoking time it can also be really exciting when you think about the potential and where we could go 100 yeah great well thank you well thank you isn't she just the absolute best <laughs> listening back to that made me Sir, we need another conversation laura where you at anyway thanks guys for tuning in if you want to follow along you can follow us at millennial moments podcast on instagram or send an email to millennial moments podcast at gmail.com if you have any feedback or questions you'd like answered on an upcoming podcast or if you'd like to feature as a guest So thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.